You're listening to the Art of Move podcast, hosted by Dr. William Raybar and Anthony Manuel, where we attempt to create a grand unified theory of human movement, biomechanics, and training. If you enjoy these episodes, you can watch them streamed live on nofilter.net, where you can interact directly and have all your questions answered in real time. In five, four, three, two, and one for episode 32 of the Art of Move podcast. We're pretty excited for today's episode because we're going to be looking at an MMA legend. I think he's a legend anyway, Conor McGregor. I actually got into Conor McGregor when I was following the Ido Portal method. And Ido Portal started training this, this MMA fighter. I'd been into the UFC for a little while when uh, George St. Pierre was kind of on his rise and he became the champion. There was this Quebecois guy, I was from Montreal, so this Quebecois guy kind of dominating the UFC got me really excited. My brothers and I would watch every George St. Pierre fight, every George St. Pierre interview. And then uh, I kind of moved away from it for a bit, got into the Edo Portal method because in my mind it was like, hey, this guy can move so well. And he's talking about the the cost of specializing in one movement, which I had definitely felt from powerlifting. And I was hoping to gain some insight about human movement by following Edo Portal. And while I was following Edo Portal, one day he was like, hey, I'm, I'm training this guy, Connor McGregor. So naturally I go check out Connor's training with him. And then I start watching his fights and I'm just blown away by the quality of movement and the creativity in his striking and, and just in general, this guy's attitude. Obviously, Conor McGregor on his come up was just this mind-blowing phenomenon. He like really shook up the UFC. Um, but over time, his training has changed. His approach to movement has changed. And with the art of move, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at how he used to train and how he used to fight. And we're going to look at how he's training now. We notice that he's doing a lot of lifting, a lot of sagittal frontal plane lifting, linear, you know, conventional strength and conditioning training. And we're going to see how that's affected his movement and his fights. We're going to look at his psyche. We're going to dive deep into this. And, and I'm a little bit out of my depth here because I'm less of a technician when it comes to MMA. I know a little bit about technique. I did uh, some Muay Thai. I did some wrestling. I did some jujitsu and boxing. But Will is really, really passionate about boxing and really passionate about martial arts in general. But we're both passionate about movement. So Will's going to kind of take the lead, and I'm going to just offer a little bit of commentary here. We have some footage. Uh, so if you're listening to this on Spotify or iTunes, we are going to be doing a lot of visual elements uh, because we've recorded this live on nofilter.net where we can do screen shares and we can show footage and do uh, video breakdown analysis. So if you want to watch the video replay, it's still up on nofilter.net. And you can also watch the next episode that we do live on nofilter.net. But why did you, uh, what what stood out about Connor to you recently that made you want to do a whole episode on him? Well, I've always been a Connor fan. So like I've been watching UFC pretty religiously. I remember watching UFC one and then uh, I went to the end. Yeah, back in the day, I'd, I'd bike to the corner store and get the VHS tapes. So I was, That's I was amazing. a fan. Yeah, and I came back at about like, you know, I, I got off of it from about 10 to 40. And then from 40, UFC 40 on, I've been a fan. Um, sometimes more than others, I'd, I'd go on SureDog.com, which is a major MMA forum site. If mm. any fan knows what it is. And uh, I would I would go through threads. I'd know everything about the fighters, like up and coming fighters, what their records are, what their underwear sizes, like everything. You know? <laughs> like um, I'm not that into it anymore, although I'll watch every almost every event and uh I'm not following the up and coming fighters as much, uh, but I still love the movement behind it. I still love watching uh, 
different styles come up and how it evolves. So just in general, in UFC, what I saw right off the get-go, um, it was a bar brawl, right? Everyone was sorting out what the best martial art actually was. Mm. And uh, it really came out with royce gracie being on top there a uh, 180 pound guy coming in beating up all the 300 pound guys 250 pound uh jacked you know bodybuilder looking guys and everyone was fascinated there i think a lot of current mma uh practitioners coaches got inspired by brazilian jiu-jitsu from royce gracie so yeah. um that was right from the beginning and then after that, it became much of a wrestling sport. Wrestlers started dominating, and it got kind of boring for the casual fan where wrestlers would just hold everybody down. Mm. And that was just a straight American wrestling, I'm going to hold you down and maybe hit you in the head a couple times, but the skill was very low. And then I feel like jiu-jitsu made a little bit of a comeback there, but ultimately people began to figure out how to nullify wrestling how to get up off the ground without taking much damage. Mm. And then it became more of a, you know, kickboxing slash wrestling. And that's where we're at now where it's like, uh, it has become more of a stand-up game because a lot of people have figured out how to nullify jujitsu and uh, nullify wrestling with the exception of a couple, you know, Kamaru Usman or Khabib. Um, wrestling is still ultra dangerous. I'd say the most dangerous by far. However, why, why is that? Why why would you say wrestling is the most dangerous of them, of the, the, the sort of styles? Because of the, uh, the way that American wrestling is done is it's very much hold, pin the person down, right? And understand those angles. So that works out really well in MMA. So the transition between a wrestler and MMA, it's like, oh, okay, I don't know how to strike, but I could be very successful just holding somebody down. Josh Koscheck would come to mind back in the day even khabib now yeah. um can do that if he wants to he can just hold you down so uh it's successful because let's say a khabib let's take him for an example he can go in and his threat of wrestling is so high that he doesn't have to be as good of a striker they're always trying to stop his wrestling so the openings are there versus anybody else like nobody else is going to get the striking opportunities that khabib gets because his wrestling is so damn good. Yeah. Same with Usman, although Usman's footwork is getting really, really good under Trevor Whitman, his coach. Um, however, yeah, back to Khabib. When he fought Connor and he hit him with an overhead right, uh, I saw a Daniel Cormier breakdown. And basically, they're standing, uh, you know, in, in engaging position. And Connor's looking for Khabib to go down to his legs. So Khabib fakes going down to his legs. Connor drops his guard and Khabib hits him with an overhead right. Mm. Now, Connor's a way better boxer than Khabib. And Khabib would have never touched him hadn't, like, if he didn't have the good wrestling and the amazing wrestling, right? So it really gives you an advantage in many different aspects, even to this day. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the evolution of MMA that I saw, like, in a very, very broad picture. Now, when Connor came on the scene, it was probably like 2014. He was really the first, I shouldn't say the first guy because he wasn't. He was the first guy in the modern era to bring in the trash talk. Like he understood the trash talk game in a very like WWE type of way, right? And it really fascinated people. And I got, I got hooked right away. 
one because his movement was so good it was actually crisp and clean and and he brought along the you know wwe style entertainment with it i was hooked i was a younger guy at the time I'm like this guy is great right did you have a similar experience with that i you know for me i was fascinated because it was like i knew how much psychologically your performance in a sport can be affected by you know hits to your confidence and i thought as good of a fighter as he was he like even the guys that were really mentally tough he could get under their skin and and make them lose their cool enough that it would affect their performance in some capacity oh you could see that easily with jose aldo like when he fought jose aldo the first time um <laughs> or the only time that he fought jose aldo he was in his head already way before the fight he was like in the press conferences you can see aldo who hadn't lost in 10 years at that point he was slowly breaking him down Obviously, Connor had the advantage of having, you know, really good English. Like, he can already throw out the trash talk in a nuanced way, and Aldo couldn't do it. He couldn't express himself to the cameras and to the media, so he would look like a fool because Connor was so good at it. And that would, you know, that would bring him down a notch, bring him down a notch. Connor would be, you know, egging him on and really bothering him. So I think by the time Jose Aldo stepped in the cage with him, Jose he'd already Aldo lost. Well, it, it wasn't so, yeah, but I mean, his nervous system was probably so jacked up because he wanted to get, get a hold of him. He wanted to put him away early. He wanted to prove something. Mm -hmm. He played right into Connor's wheelhouse. And at that time, Connor's movement was incredible. His side to side motions, like his switch stances, uh, his ability to find range was incredible. And you can see that with the Jose Aldo knockout, it was a. Uh, five or seven seconds or something like that. Yeah, it was super he was practicing hard. it in the dressing room right beforehand. There's video of that, right? And it's, it's really a, a left check hook, right? A left hook check. And he steps to the side. He got hit too, actually, as, as he was doing it. Yeah. But he was practicing that maneuver and his timing was perfect. It was, and, and even boxers that boxed him after um, were saying his timing was incredible. That's one of the things that he actually has. Now, another thing that he has is a really good body for MMA. What I mean by that is his torso's not that long and his legs are super long and his arms are like monkey arms, right? So really, what do you have to hit? You have to, his head, a small torso, and a lot of limbs, right? So that type of body structure lends well to MMA and, and striking in general. Uh, Israel Adesanya comes to mind. Um, John Jones comes to mind there. Yeah. I, I think John Jones is the best of all time, in my personal opinion, um, in fighting anyway. And right. yeah, so that, that body type really lends to uh, martial arts. So, you know, this this is when, you know, Connor was kind of at, at like, when I remember the Jose Aldo fight and all the stuff leading up to it. And for me, that was kind of like Connor reaching his zenith of public attention of like he was king shit as herd mountain right like especially knocking out jose aldo that fast after, after trash talking him so intensely like any like you know one of those cheesy motivational videos that you see online that's like about hustle culture was always featuring some sort of quote from connor or like a, that scene from him at a press conference you know smoking the cigar and you know he, he, he was at the top of his game right and and where, where do you think it sort of started to turn around for him Oh, um, I think after he fought uh, Floyd Mayweather, 
is really where it turned mm. around for him. And here's the thing. There was a lot to it, right? Like he, he was peaking hard. He was, he was on top of the world. He was making predictions and they were coming true. And he was making wild predictions. I'm going to knock Jose Aldo out first round. And he, you know, he does it in five seconds. I'm pretty sure he predicted it, that he was going to do it within a minute. Right. So there was, there was like three or four fights in a row. I can't remember where he did the proper prediction of what was going to happen. Right. So he was looking like he was psychic or something. And I yeah. think he got a little, like he got a little bit of a God complex in my mind where he was like, he was just king shit of everything. He couldn't, mm -hmm. he couldn't lose. He was the biggest star in the world. And I mean, that sort of thing, that sort of rise, don't forget he came from, you know, he was on welfare five years before that. Right. Yeah. So he, he went from that to rising up to be a billionaire. Right. And all that makes you lose focus. I think of the actual sport and he started doing a little bit more of the marketing. You're constantly being interviewed. You're told you're the best. I think a lot of that happened psychologically. Um, you know, his passion at the start really was about uh, providing for his family and uh, his team. He, he was dreaming. I saw an interview where he was dreaming about getting stakes for his team and, and you know, being able to drive a nice car. And yeah. uh, he achieved that pretty damn quick. And uh, and then things started to switch. And, and especially after he fought Mayweather, that was where the big money started and the big fame started. Mayweather is the biggest draw or was the biggest draw in the world for fight sports. Um, so that just made Connor blow right up. And I think he lost a little bit of focus there. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Cause when the, the Mayweather thing kind of came up, that sort of like the, the level of confidence, the energy and the confidence that he approached his trash talk with shook a little bit in my mind. And he, he wasn't as certain that he was going to win against Floyd Mayweather as he was in all these other, it's subtle, right? It was very subtle, but like I did, I noticed it was just a slight crack in that uncrackable seeming confidence when he was approaching that because, because, you know, he was also out of his field, right? Like it's boxing is not MMA. He's a great boxer. He's a phenomenal boxer with amazing timing, but that's not, that's not his wheelhouse. I thought he did really well. Um, to be honest. And I think Mayweather may not, Mayweather's either, either washed up or he wasn't trying quite as hard as he could because it's big, big money and there leaves it open for a number two. That's just my speculation. Um, Connor did really, really well in, in terms of skill and transitioning between MMA and boxing, but I don't know if he ever thought he would actually win in his own head there. Yeah. Um, I thought he was like, he'd hype it up and, get paid in the back of his mind, but I don't think he thought he would ever win against Floyd Mayweather, but who knows? Maybe he did. Maybe he was so high up on himself at that time and believed his own hype that he's like, yeah, I'm going to rule both games. I'm not sure. Right. On it. So, you know, we, we kind of talk, it's funny because you sent me a bunch of videos of Connor. Now I used to watch his training a lot because I follow, I was following Ido Portal very, very closely. And I was, I was working with Ido Portal method students um and i was learning the the principles of movement from him and i was you know i was seeing connor doing a lot of the same training i was doing at the time i was like man this guy can freaking move this is amazing and recently he started sending me some videos of connor training and there's you know a video of him using a resistance training machine for his abs you know the one where you hold the handles by your head and you do the crunch and he's doing these you know arched back overhead presses or you know very very strict pull-ups and it's all this linear plane movement. And uh, 
what what else have you seen from his training recently that's kind of stood out to you? I see him doing a lot of powerlifting, a lot of um, heavy lifting with machines. So that video, I'm, I'm trying to find it now. Um, maybe I'll pull it up later. But it's basically him on an ab machine. You know where you put, it, it's almost like a roller coaster belt with that little yeah. roller that hits your chest. And you're pushing into a sit-up position as hard as you can. Okay, from a seated position, you're just crunching your abs down. And it was a video of him stacking the whole machine. So he's putting on all the weight and he's just cranking it. He's full of sweat. And he's like, ah, ah, ah. And he's going as hard as he can on the machine. No form, nothing like that. It, yeah, here, pull it up. He's just, it's full full stack. Looks like a Planet a, Fitness machine. Do you have sound on he's, that? I, I could do sound. Can you hear that? Yeah. Changes the adjustment. It's all rectus abdominis. Can you hear it pretty good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, maybe he's doing this for the camera. I don't know to like show how you know voracious he is and how how big he is and you know peacocking or whatever. But I think he is actually training like this, and I think he is making his body into this you know giant bodybuilder type of body. One to fit at 170. He wants to be powerful at 170. Mm -hmm. And I don't think this is the way to do it. Like, in my opinion, that's how I worked out when I was 15. When I had that, you know, mad energy in me. And I was just like, I, I need to get this out. And I'd, I'd go on a machine and I'd scream and just go as hard as I can. Try. My goal was to stack every machine, you know? Yeah. And I see him doing what I was doing when I was 15, making a ton of mistakes now. You know what I mean? So... It's a little bit different when you're a martial artist from a young age, like Connor was, and then you go into bodybuilding. It's different than if you go into bodybuilding and then become a martial artist, right? Yeah. So he can carry a lot of the movement, the great movement that he had at a lower weight, but it's just going to be that second slower, that millisecond slower. His timing is going to be a millisecond slower. His power is going to be limited to the first second round. And you saw it with Nate Diaz, right? Um, mm. and, and most of his fights, he, he gasses, right? That's one of his issues. So I think it's going to be even worse at 170, and he's not going to have as good a movement. And you can see this in his fights. Like his fight against Poirier compared to his fight against his first fight against Poirier was at like 145, I believe, or 155. And he looked spectacular. He was spinning around. He was, you know, every time he spins, he lands, he switches stances. He's fighting from both angles, from both arms. Um, lead leg right lead leg left he's doing everything and he's smooth with his transitions his timing all that then he fights poirier at one i can't remember what it was but it was a heavier weight. they were both heavier and connor just decides to box getting hit in the leg and uh just looking blocky all of his movement it is very blocky and it's not it's that second slower and i think yeah. he's moving that to another level he's going to be even slower and more uh, bulked out so i i don't think things are looking good for him if he doesn't have a mid-level opponent the higher level guys are gonna wipe him out well and and you know what what you're saying too it's not just the weight gain that is going to slow him down you know like obviously more muscle is going to be more metabolically demanding and so you do gas out more you're literally carrying more weight right like if you put on 15 20 pounds of muscle it's it's 
similar to a, a functional weight vest that's also, you know, driving your movement a little bit. But it's it's the way that he's actually training the actual linearity of his movement being ingrained in his nervous system is going to make him less efficient. He's going to he's going to forcefully contract in different ways, right? There there are different ways to probably anyway. I, I pulled up this video, the old Connor versus new Connor uh, video that you sent me, and uh, can you see my screen? Yeah, I can. Yeah, so I'm gonna like, I'm gonna play it. And we, yeah, so so you can do you can do a commentary breakdown as we play this here. There's no, uh, like you can see how fast he is and how balanced he is at the same time. Hey. Yeah. So he's doing roundhouse kicks. He's doing front kicks. He's holding the distances of him with Holloway right now. He's bouncing back and forth. See that roundhouse kick just back straight into balance. Right. Mm. And he's very poised at the same time. You know, like he's, he's spinning around, but he's balanced at every step. Very calculating. This is him against, uh, who's this? Uh, Eddie Alvarez. This is beautiful, actually. This timing right here, this may have actually been his peak. That that combo right there, can you stop mm -hmm. it? Yeah. That combo right there where he hits Eddie Alvarez like three or four times in slow motion, that is just beautiful. Like, uh, uh, is it possible to 0.25 that? Let's see. Let's go. Yeah. Playbacks. Oops. Can. Playback speed okay, over so 0.25. For just a running commentary, this is uh, Conor McGregor, when he's about to do his combo on Jose Aldo, hits him with a left hook. Okay, so he's baiting him right now. He's baiting him. He's baiting him. Come on. He takes the bait, hits him. Two. Oh, wait. That, that isn't actually the best one. It's when he gets up for the next one. But you can see there that when uh, Alvarez went to hit him, it was within like a half inch. Like Conor knew that distance like the back of his hand you know like he was on point here mm. and this this might be the second one here where he where he comes in and he hits him three times before he actually is able to even react now here's him with aldo okay Aldo's coming forward and this is this is the knockout and he's practicing in the in the locker room look at that head movement baits him So yeah, he baited Aldo and Aldo's looking like a bull right now. He wants Adam. Yeah. Connor's holding the distance, keeping him off a little bit with that front kick. And then Aldo is like, okay, I'm going to hold my breath and just go for it. Right. And see what happens. And it's a big mistake because Connor's ready for this. He's looking sharp. He's in that karate bounce back and forth. Boom. Left hook. He eats a little bit himself, but it was clean. He's already gone. And then it was just hammer fist from there. Right. So Connor of the old was just on point with his timing, his distance, his accuracy, uh, twitches. Um, you could tell he was in the zone. I don't. I just don't think he has it anymore. Um, it, it, it was part of like a a whole aura with him back in mm. the day. You know, like he had everything going right. He was rising up. Like his energy was rising. Like if you look at Connor right now, do you feel like his energy is rising? Mm -hmm. Look at the poise. It's literally an upward. Yeah, definitely. So, th so they're saying it was a karate stance and a kick specialist, right? He had that. He he kind of had that uh, that front leg always forward. He he did apply a lot of pressure on his opponents with with a lot of kicks, right? He managed to create some distance and and could keep people at a distance with with that kick stance. And that like his leg is always slightly ahead, right? He's open. 
but he 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 maintain he kind of like fields the distance. He's not he's not covering himself up in the traditional boxing stance or anything. He his defense is more a, a distance creator, right? Like he has that that forward leg ready to kind of approach. But this is this is the new the new Connor. We'll take a look at the more recent fights, some of the footage from more recent fights, and he does have a more traditional boxing stance, as this video is kind of pointing out. He's more stuck in the mud. His own words came to, to eat him, right? Like he used to say the lightweight division stuck in the mud and now he's stuck in the mud. Okay. Like his front, his front foot's forward in that karate stance, but in order to keep that front foot forward without getting it kicked, like Poirier did, you got to be able to bounce back and forth lightly on your feet and he can't do it anymore. Or he, I don't think he has the confidence in his gas tank to do it anymore. Mm. Right. Because like, so, look at a light on his feet. Look, look at the footwork. That he has in these earlier fights he's he lo literally looks like he's gliding right yeah he's he, exactly. he literally looks like he's gliding and then you compare that to how how kind of slow like he, he yeah it's literally he looks stuck in the mud he's not he doesn't have that same like snap or that same bounce that he used to have now it, like there's a lot of factors in this right like he may have thought he was just gonna knock poirier out and then he got surprised you know um that's a that's a possibility and he's like wait i don't even need to train uh that way for this fight i'm just gonna go in there box and knock him out but he got surprised right like poirier can can throw poirier's got good um counter punches he's good at absorbing punches and then coming back right and and, and uh i think connor was surprised at that in the second fight against poirier um yeah you can see here that his head is hardly moving He's he's eating shots. He just doesn't look like the same the same Connor. He's missing that step, right? And I didn't really even see him throw a kick. No, he's not he's not creating that same pressure with kicks that he that he was doing in previous fights. Yeah. And uh yeah, I, I wonder what happened there. Like what he's thinking in his head with the training, you know? Like right. why aren't you training like with Ido Portal anymore or something like that. Not that I think that's the best training, okay? Because I don't think that's the optimal way to train. But if I was to take Ido Portal training versus powerlifting or heavy, heavy bodybuilding like he was doing at that um, on that machine, I would take mm -hmm. Ido Portal any day because at least Ido Portal knows how to flow. He knows how to uh, rhythm, synchronicity. Uh, he knows the body. It may have not have been completely optimal, but I really liked Connor when he was training with Ido Portal mm -hmm. for that timing and accuracy, rhythm, all that, all that stuff, and even the ground flow works really well with MMA. More, well, yeah, because so a lot of a lot of your work, like ha depending on who you're fighting, half the fight's going to be on the ground. Uh, well, yeah, exactly, right. Like, um, Connor's more of a striker and more of a like he knows how to stay away from going down on the ground but yeah you're right in general if you're fighting a wrestler it's you're gonna go on the ground and you need to be good on the ground now that's where uh can you stop this for a second yep. actually that's where a frc to me like uh functional range conditioning really shines and something like jujitsu where hmm. it can really help you with those open chain jujitsu uh positions that you're gonna get into where you need to really crank your joints and have that range of motion you know, so I think a functional range conditioning lends really well to a jujitsu and a ground-based 
environment, right? And if you're doing that all the time, I think that's a great system to really uh, get into. Now, when you look at Connor on the ground, he actually has great, and I would say it's great, uh, ranges of motion in his limbs, right? So mm. I don't think he's missing that so much as he never concentrated it on wrestling at a young age. So all he wants to do is get up off the ground. Okay. And I think he spends a lot of his time doing that. And um, yeah, let's, let's go back to Ido Portel there. Or did you have yeah. something to say? No, no. I, I was just going to say like, when you're talking about being stuck in the mud, you know, that, that sort of slow, that slogging or that, that heavier step, like Ido Portal, one thing that he's really, really good at is training rhythm and elasticity. Like even though he does a lot of hand balancing and he does a lot of, um, you know, strength oriented gymnastics, strength skill work, and he's worked with weights and he trains weighted range of motion and everything. He understands that your fascia will behave the way that you train it to behave, right? And, and elasticity is still something that, and and that that lightness on your feet is still something that's very important like Ido Portel is very very strong and can move in in strong ways linearly he does olympic lifting he does all these different things but he he still has the ability to move through many many planes and is is very very oriented towards making sure that you're training you know correctly rhythmically fashion he has a good grasp of what the body is doing biomechanically uh in in a martial arts capacity and the freedom of movement that you need to be able to creatively sort of you know like react to certain situations well even so a lot of people watching, are... right? go ahead sorry go ahead no what were you gonna say i, I was gonna say what we're watching right now is Ido portel doing rhythmic dance moves with connor and we were watching him roll around with Connor in different angles. Creating angles is massive in boxing and, in, in boxing and MMA. Like that mm. is one of the highest skills you can have is understanding how to create angles and being a master at it. And that's what Ido Portel was just working on with them. That's what I love about it. Um, capoeira obviously is a continuous martial art where, um, you know, it was made by Brazilian slaves that were doing dances to yeah. signal things, right? So it's very much a continuous martial art and that's that lends very good to someone like connor who was already a good mover he leveled up and was able to be just you know like water like bruce lee if i could sum it up connor was like water back in the day it was like a bruce lee come at me and i'm gonna move your energy versus now it's he's a brick wall right mm -hmm. and uh and he's training that way to make himself more of a brick it may work out a little bit but i don't think he's gonna get back to the levels that he would if he was training more like this, more like a slick mover. Yeah, the things that I see that they're prioritizing, you know, obviously Ido Portel is a lot of flash and he does a lot of his, you know, he's still influenced by his capoeira, but the things that I see them prioritizing is balance, timing, and coordination. And like you said, creating those different angles. Like there is some, you know, like in, in a mixed martial arts situation, you're going to have to, you know, you might get pushed backwards. Even the the example, he just did a backwards roll. So if you, if you're being pushed backwards and you start to fall backwards, how are you going to react? How is your body going to deal with or treat that situation? Like he was preparing him for not only, you know, rhythm and balance and 
you know, a lot of the the rhythmic dancing and that 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 sort of bounce in the ankles and that lightness on his feet. He's also, you know, kind of preparing him for many, many situations that he might find himself in a, in a mixed martial arts context. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Like, it's good. Ido Portel practices martial arts himself. You can tell, right? So, yeah. um, Ido Portel practices a lot like I, I would, where it's more fun, right? Like, there's no element of danger where you have to fight another person. I spar a little bit, right? But I'm not <laughs> going into a 100% fight. So it's like, I can afford to do more of the flowing movements that don't exactly translate into fighting, but are good movements in general to just get my elasticity expressed, right? Or my body expressed. Mm. So yeah, even him here, touch sparring and that's beautiful sparring, right? Like that's how I like to do it now. Yeah. You're getting in rhythm and you know, you're getting hit and you're hitting back, but it's not like vicious you know yeah no it's um, it's, it's touched but you can see how good his like you said the rhythm and the timing that he has he has a very good grasp of martial arts oriented movement right like he, he kind of he grasps what's going on yeah no this is this is high level stuff right and he's sparring against someone he's much better than you can tell but it's still uh it's still high level stuff right he knows what he's doing and and that's good to have for connor to have a movement coach plus someone who knows martial arts I think he needs to rekindle his bromance with Ito or something like that, right? Um, yeah. Or or do some like Weck method Goda, Goda preferably, and <laughs> holler at me, and I'll I'll get you winning against uh, one of the new Russian guys. <laughs> and so, okay, so let's let's talk about that because the way he's training now, we like we said, we we, we see a lot of linear lifting, and he's putting on muscle because he wants to have that sort of brick wall uh, energy where he's he has that that power output he has the size behind his punch but what, what is that doing to him like from a biomechanical perspective well it's making him it's making him stiffer it's like he does he's not going to have that fluidity of movement anymore because one he's not practicing it and two he's making his tissues tighter right so mm. he's going to be driven a lot more from muscular effort versus uh fascial effort and again, like he's been doing this since he was a kid. So he can transfer that muscle over pretty well, but I don't think you can transfer that much like blown out muscle over to a higher uh, weight class with the same movement as you had in the lower weight class. I think you really have to work that up. Okay. Right. Um, you can't just, you can't just pack on pounds and expect to win at a higher weight class with not as good movement. Now so I still think sorry i still think that his actual skills are pretty high level he's a top 10 but i don't think he's higher than that at this point and i, I want to see him fight again because he hasn't won in a long time yeah he might be he might be top 10 but he's probably not top three kind of situation but let's say let's say you're trying to move up a weight class right like when i was talking to gary scheffler um he's talking about people at the training in goda won't look like bodybuilders. They're training these off-season football players and they can put on 20 pounds of muscle yeah. or they'll put on 20 pounds in the off-season, but they don't, they aren't doing any deadlifts or heavy squats or anything, but, and they're moving great, you know, like they're putting on weight and they're moving great. How, how do you think a martial artist could put on relevant or biomechanically relevant size to move up a weight class 
and maintain their biomechanical integrity and then their their ability to transfer energy efficiently and have that like obviously the more you weigh the harder it is to move the more you'll gas out and that's mostly a metabolic thing like that's that's like a pure weight thing you know you're not going to be you're not going to have as much energy or as big of a tank at 170 as you do at 135 or 140 right but how could you put on size and still maintain biomechanical efficiency um, do you want to do that though? I don't like my, my whole thing is I don't think you want to do that, right? You want to move up. If you're naturally that big, keep working on your skills. Okay. And you can eat more. You can, uh, you can push a, some sleds, a little bit of weight, but for the most part, the energy needs to be put into the actual skill. Cause there's so much to the skills. Like you can be practice wrestling, jujitsu, uh, balance, you could do like a Gota type of style. Um, you could do boxing, kickboxing, catch wrestling. There's so many different skills to work on that having to think about weightlifting at the same time is just, to me, it's a, a, a waste of energy if you need to uh, be in a sport like mixed martial arts. Okay. Now, I would train a little bit like the Russians train a lot of bag work, like a you know, those Bulgarian bags, they do a lot of, uh, ro not rope, but, um, band work where you're punching, but like over your head with a band or something like that. Right. So they work a lot of those, uh, nonlinear movements, those rotary motions. They know all about that. Right. Mm. So I would train more like that with slightly heavy implements, even like a mace bell with like 20 pound mace bell and learn how to move it. Um, you know, if you need to pick up something like, I would do basic sand or not, um, what is it called? Sandbag work. So like deadlifts with a sandbag, but only a very, very few just to like, you know, if someone needs to be able to pick someone up and toss them, then teach them how to do that perfectly. Right. Um, so I don't think you move up weight in martial arts unless you really have to. Now Connor's plan here is to be still carry the power that he has at the lower weights up to the higher weights and i don't think that's a great plan because it's just not going to happen you know not the way he's doing it he's going to be muscular focused he's not going to be as smooth he may be able to knock some people out still because he does have the power still but he's not going to have the percentage of power that he would have had when he was at a lower weight than he has now yeah which why why is that um just because he doesn't have that elasticity he doesn't have the rhythm timing like um, power isn't exactly only just the power coming from your body. You have to be able to apply that power. You have to be able to get close. Like I could be Mike Tyson. I can punch as hard as Mike Tyson, but if I can't get close to somebody, then it doesn't matter. Cause I'm going to be swinging in the air with regards to boxing or, or MMA as a sport. Right? So you have to be able to have the movement to even get into those positions to be able to deliver the power that requires that part requires the suppleness, the movement, the slickness, the um, angles. I think he would be better off doing, you know, Ido Portal again or uh, a Gota style where he works on his feet and his ankles. And he actually works on his posture and the different parts that he's not so great in, right? So, Right. So I, I want to talk a little bit about how Gota could apply to, say, a boxing, right? Because yeah. when, I, when I watch boxers or I watch striking sports in general – um, I see a lot of wider stances. I see a lot of things that um, sort of diametrically oppose the some of the ideas that Gota has. For example, if you see her stance right here 
obviously she's got inside ankle bone low on the on the back foot and even Ito here you know he's he's not like super uh, he, he's not super inside ankle bone low on on this foot but it is there is quite a bit of like foot pronation on the on the support leg and you know like you're still you obviously your your sense your sense of balance isn't as straightforward as the sort of like gate oriented patterns that we've defined in some of our previous episodes, for example, head over foot, which is staying in your columns. Like I, I'm kind of curious to see how, um, you know, weight distribution and columns applies to say a boxing or a striking sport. That's a great question. Okay. So first off, um, a lot of the boxers do have flat feet in the back and martial artists. Okay. Um, I don't think it's a huge focus for a lot of martial artists of what the back foot does. So for the longest time in boxing, I would push off my big toe. Like I would lean into the big toe on the back and push off with that. You see that with a lot of fighters, their back foot will be more flat, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you could still gain a ton of power. You could still do all that, but you're not going to be as supple. Now I practice having the bow in the back, almost like a running back when they cut. I want my leg to look like that in the back during boxing so I can pivot off the back foot. So really what, it, what matters to me now is when I outlet my energy, I want it to be pushing off the outside of my foot, even if I have to sneak my back foot closer a couple inches. Okay. So okay. that's where I could apply the Gota style to the back leg. Okay. The front leg is a lot easier. The front leg is just like, keep your weight on the fourth and fifth and keep the ankle bone high. The back foot, the ankle bone has the tendency to drop because you're kind of dragging it with you, right? Mm. You could also turn in your back foot a little bit uh, more straight. Now, a lot of coaches would, would freak out at that, but they wouldn't understand Gota, right? And for me, I'm not trying to be the best boxer in the world. I'm trying to uh, relate it more to gate mechanics and still have fun with the boxing, right? So right. my feet are pointed a little bit more straight, inside ankle bone high, um, and my movement is way better now because what you were saying with the columns being in your columns to me in boxing, since you're a wider stance inside ankle bone, high creating the bows on both uh, the legs, having my feet pointed a little bit more straight. And as I'm gaining a rhythm in my movement, my head is going back and forth. Okay. And that is my balance point. Okay. It's not only my rhythm, but it's my balance point. So as my head travels forward, and it meets the line of my uh, front foot, that means I can outlet power out of my front uh, hand, or I'm balanced on the front foot so I could do a pivot, or I can shift my feet quickly, okay? So I can use that momentum that I already have in my rhythm to propel my movement forward. You'll see this a lot with Mike Tyson when he goes to the front leg and he jumps out of it and he, he does like a hook or a roll or something like that. He's using his forward momentum to mm. propel him into the next punch using a controlled fall. He's not falling, but he's waiting for him to like, I don't know if he knows this consciously, but, but after a while you'll learn it just by feel when you get to your foot and you're in rhythm and you're in motion, that's when you're on balance. And that's when you can strike like a Cobra at that point, you are on balance. When your head is over line with your foot, you are in balance or so there's, there's these options. Okay. You're in balance on the right in the back leg if your head's over your back leg okay so that would be like a lean back okay um the forward leg would be you know when your head forward let's say i dodge a jab and i'm 
you know, on my left leg and my head's over that foot, I can deliver a left uh, body shot, right? And I can do it from the power of my head over my foot. Or I can be between my feet, push into the ground, and I'll have a little bit of power doing that when my head's not over my feet. Because sometimes you're doing that in the sport requirement, your two feet are on the ground and, and anchored, but you can't move at that exact second, okay? So you're sacrificing your movement every time your head's not over your foot. You're sacrificing the ability to have an immediate movement, okay? So in order to move well, your head has to be over the foot. I want you to record a, a video. Could, can you record a video demo of what you're talking about and break it down in like a, maybe an Instagram video? Absolutely. Because I can I can visualize what you're saying, but I'd love to see it visually too. By the way, for those who are uh, listening, you can follow me at The Body Moves on Instagram and Will at The Art of Move. We're going to be posting a lot more content visually to kind of uh, supplement some of this, some of the concepts that we talk about here. But I think, you know, because when like observing a lot of boxing and observing a lot of MMA, I had a hard time. Like I understand how some of the broader contexts of Gota would apply. You know, you can still bow and corner and there's still, you can, you can load a bow and unload that, that pressure wave to strike. Right. And you can still corner and you can have this efficient transfer of energy, spinal engine, the elasticity, all the stuff that we talked about, it's like, okay, this is easily transferable. But when I actually started looking at some of the footwork and I, like you said, there's that flat back foot that I noticed in so many martial artists and it's comfortable, right? Like it's easy. And then I started to try and play with, uh, and I was like, okay, well, what if I'm setting, okay, well, what happens to my, like, I couldn't find that head over foot column when I was playing with a boxing stance the same way that I can so easily in say like a rope flow or in a locomotive pattern. And, and you definitely shouldn't be able to, cause it's really hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Especially when like, that's why you, so many people go off balance. Professionals are off balance all the time in boxing because it's quick and you have to get out of the way. You have to make makeshift dodges. Like this is not an easy thing to do at all. Okay. You can practice it and make it easier when you're going slow by yourself. And that's what you should do, right? Like if you're practicing the footwork and by the way, footwork is the foundation for everything. I've learned this the hard way. I knew it with boxing like a few years ago. I'm like footwork is the foundation. But for some reason, when I was roping or doing anything else, I didn't apply <laughs> that same logic. I'm like, at the time I was kind of into functional patterns and, and uh, getting into WEC method, I'm like, the flow, of the energy is the key. And it kind of is. And and the elasticity between tissues is the key. And it kind of is. But the footwork is foundational. If you don't have the footwork, you have to get the footwork down in order for everything else to be good. And the go-to footwork to me is the best out there. So I try to apply it into boxing. It is not easy at all, but it can be done. I am doing it now. And I'm I'm finding myself being able to do it, you know, let's say I'm boxing, I'll be in go to footwork 60, 70% of the time. I'm still dropping inside ankle bone low every once in a while, still mm. finding myself in those old patterns, but it's getting better and better and better. Same thing goes with my run. My inside ankle bone collapses on my right pretty hard, but it used to be perma collapsed. Now mm. I can go into, you know, a run and into almost a sprint and still have it climbing. Okay. I lose it at the top, top level or the fastest I go, but um, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to go that fast if I can't keep the inside ankle bone high. So that's really the difference there. And uh, back to the martial arts thing, it's a, a martial artists I really like, or the current ones I really like, are Dominic Cruz, 
TJ Dillashaw. I like um, Peter Yan. I like Israel Adesanya is probably my favorite mover. Let's pull up a, a video of him in a second here, and I'll show you why. Mm. Um, I like John Jones, although I think he's losing it a little bit in terms of he's powerlifting too much because he's trying to gain too much weight. Now, again, natural fighter, like he's going to be, he's really good. So he's going to be able to carry that at a higher level, but I don't think he's going to look as good. When I was powerlifting back in the day and I saw John Jones starting to powerlift, I'm like, oh, this guy is just going to murder everybody now, right? So, and then I watched him fight Omnis St. Pru, and you can watch that fight and he looks blocky. He looks like he, he ran out of gas. Like I was like, mm. this is not what I was expecting. I was expecting him to just pick up the guy and slam him. But he actually looked worse in all his fights when, or like his his uh, previous fights when he was skinny. His first fights, he was like spinning, kicking, throwing guys. He had no muscle. He was like like pencil thin, and he was just destroying guys. Right. So, mm. um, I think that my prediction is that uh, you should work on your skills for the ninety percent of the time, and if you want to do strength and conditioning, ten percent of the time. Or so, right? Um, a lot of guys like to do it just for the mental edge, like to push themselves and that, like the other guys strength and conditioning. So I got to do too, right? And it gives you that edge that you, you did all that you have to do, that all you could do. But I think that skills are really where it's at in the martial arts game. Right. So, so like in terms of it, and it's funny because we, we, we just, kind of had we've had an ongoing discussion about what what ends up being more important for athletic performance is it skill technique and biomechanics or is it the ability to execute and have a bigger frame right and uh, this this was um, when we had keegan smith from the atg system on that was sort of his angle was you know at, you know biomechanics are important but at some point in order for someone to be an elite athlete you still need a a bigger engine right and and you know he he was he kind of was joking because he he had a poll then he put up this poll and he said you know biomechanics can diminish performance or invite injury but biomechanics don't make athletes great it's um you know it's the training it's the 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 engine that you built on top of your biomechanics and 24 percent said no i disagree your biomechanics are more important and he goes on, he's like, well, so does that mean 24% of you believe that a five-year-old with great technique can win the 100 meter? So it's the like, logic there of like taking a five-year-old winning 100 meter is not like the same logic as Michael Jordan not being the biggest guy in the NBA and still dominating, right? Being right. a small guy in the NBA, he's creating a ton of force. I didn't see him weightlifting until later in his career, and I think he was even just doing that like very, very little. So there's a ton of athletes out there israel adesanya doesn't lift weights most of those athletes didn't lift weights until they became those martial artists anyway the guys that have to move in three dimensions are not going to be doing good lifting weights unless mm. you're like jujitsu is a little bit differently because you're on the ground okay so you can have mm -hmm. those um different positions on the ground where you can uh, it's more of an frc style or more of like a yoga style where you pull your arm over in a weird angle because you're in a pretzel, right? This is different than martial arts where you have to apply your force at an angle quickly and then let it go and hit well, another strike, angle. Striking martial arts, striking martial arts. Yeah, because jujitsu, right? you know, those are still martial arts, right? 
we don't want to yeah. don't want to you know for for anyone who's listening who might nitpick at that it is very different right and and like even you know like i think of like a range of strength for example when we had lucas aaron on that's so applicable for for things like jujitsu where you want to have like strength in your end range especially if someone has you in like a tricky position like that that also includes your tolerance for being able to wiggle out of a, a, a joint lock and um, you know, that, that, that's the tolerance of your joints to be in those extended positions. That's, it's massive. Also, where's the, like, I understand the force production. Like if given the same person, uh, having bigger muscles with the same coordination and everything, bigger force production is probably going to be better. Right. But yeah. you're a human being with only so much time and so much skill to learn. Right. And what are you going to allocate your time to? It, it to me the like if you don't have the biomechanics down if you can improve that it's a much better allocation of your time than putting it into just force production okay and i i get the counter argument's gonna be like well we don't do it that way what we do is we have the skills of the sport they have their own coaches for the skills of the sport and then they come into us to gain the strength and we have nothing to do with the actual patterning but where is the natural patterning there where is the like for me it's goda right like uh, you know, and, and figure eights at the top, like WEC method style and, and having my fascia translate into motions. That is not easy stuff. You're not seeing that almost anywhere, right? Uh, the force production, uh, methods out there are very linearly based. Okay. Anthony Joshua in boxing comes to mind with this. He is like, to me, he trains a lot of those athletic linear patterns. He's like the really a personification of the linear strength motions and he does very well in boxing he's able to knock guys out but when it comes to the mm. top level like a tyson fury or uh, uh alexander Usyk, who he just lost to i don't think he's gonna beat those guys because he just doesn't have the angles he doesn't know how to let go of his tensions he doesn't know how right. to get into those different like uh he doesn't know how to use his balance like those guys do and Usyk is a very good example he's the current heavyweight champion just beat jo anthony joshua he fights like a lightweight at heavyweight. He's a small, small guy for heavyweight, and he's just lighting guys up because he's able to hit those angles, footwork. He he practices that, and when he watches, like, when he's training, he's dancing all the time. He's dancing, twisting, like, doing all these motions, rarely lifting weights. A lot of those guys do it for just, you know, show on the camera, but a lot of them are just, for the most part, doing the martial arts. I think one of the issues that trainers have too, when they're approaching training is they think of the body in terms of parts, right? They think in terms of <clears throat> like there's muscles, there's fascia, there is connective tissue, like tendons and ligaments. There is this and that, Oh, we know that fascia adapts longer that, you know, it takes longer to adapt than muscle, but they're, they're like, okay, well, we'll train the muscle and we'll try, we'll try to train the fascia. But like the issue is, you know, what I'm kind of picking up from reading a lot of, a lot more of Tom Meyer's work is that all these tissues are, are interconnected and they're tied in with your vascular system and your nervous system and all these other systems. And, and they're, they're sort of inextricably linked. And the issue is if you train your, your muscles to have a lot of force output in this linear pattern, then you're conditioning your nervous system in a way that is going to make your fascia behave to optimize for these linear patterns and boxing and martial arts and fuck, even running like any, any human movement is not linear, you know, other than the, other than when you're actually doing the linear movement in the gym, right? So when we're talking about Conor McGregor as the, as the core example that we were using today, 
as the person who was, you know, struggling, you know, with, with, uh, with his movement after applying some more conventional weightlifting, it's because his, you know, he still has technique. He still has an intuitive sense of how to fight, but his, his nervous system is now being conditioned to move in a way that is not conducive to some of these nonlinear elastic quality movements, you know, like our, our fascia has viscoelastic properties and that snap that you want to have when you're, when you're loading and releasing elastic energy, you lose quite a bit of that when you train, you know, when you optimize for linear patterns. Yeah. Um, another guy that comes to mind with what you just said was, uh, what's his name? Paulo Costa. Um, do you have that video by any chance or maybe I have it where he's training? I sent, I think I sent it to your Instagram. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll pull it up right now. Give me two yeah, seconds. So, so go, basically go the, the story behind this guy is he's, he's a talented guy. And I think he did the same thing. He was doing martial arts since he was a child. And I, I don't know this for certain, but I'm suspecting this martial arts from a child got into bodybuilding, heavy weightlifting. He looks like a, a weightlifter. Now he's very impressive physique, right? Um, but take a look at how he's training right now. He's lifting like a reverse curl on a machine and his hips are way ahead of his back. Like when are you ever in a like, duck foot stance? That? Oh, you can't stop that. Yeah. In a duck foot stance, all he's doing there is he's taking one muscle or like very few muscles at the same time, never how they would work in real life ever. Okay. And he's lifting them in a straight line and he's pushing his hips forward as he's doing that. There's a zero times in MMA when you ever do that. And then his trainer is just clapping at him. As he does weighted, I think he's got a cable in his hands. I'm not 100% mm -hmm. sure. Yep. He's in a, uh, like he's digging hooks to the body using a weight cable to uh, resist. And now he's going, he's spazzing out that same Look at type. Look how tense of he Con is. Exactly. That same type. Oh my goodness. That same <laughs> type of energy that Connor had on the uh, ab machine is what he's bringing to this. Okay. Um, it's just terrible stuff. He's got no footwork here. And, and again, the counter argument is going to be, well, he works on his footwork when he does his MMA. Well, he's going to get used to this pattern because look at how jacked up his nervous system is here. Yeah. You better hope he has someone against the cage and he's able to hit him 10 times with a body shot or he's going to be in some trouble, right? Um, now, that's, that's ridiculous because obviously he probably trains martial arts too a few hours a day, but this type of mentality will only take you so far in my opinion. Like, He's, well, he's going to try and he's going to try and replicate these nervous system states in his martial arts training. He's training, uh, you know, striking patterns and he's training patterns of, of muscle activation. So when he goes into his um, mixed martial arts training, he's trying to hit guys harder when he's sparring or he's trying to hit the pads harder. That's how he's going to start hitting pads. Exactly. Now, I, I see a lot of good. Obviously, he's an elite martial artist. There's a lot of good coming out of this, but this type of training for martial arts you're going to get beat by the top guys. Like I, yeah. I, I get it. Like the mindset needs to be there. So he's got like the mentality of a tiger, right? Like he's going in there and he's probably looking at the other guy. He's done this type of training. He's like, I'm going to eat this guy for breakfast. Like I do in my weight training sessions. Right. Um, he, he's not probably like consciously thinking that, but like no. he's ready to go, but his movement just isn't going to be there. When he fights Israel Adesanya, he's going to get kicked in the head. And then Israel Adesanya is going to move to the side. And then this guy's going to charge in like a bull. Okay. So you can see my uh, comment here. Uh, truth yeah. is you're working too hard. You obviously want it, but destroying your nervous system 
wasting energy and making yourself inefficient and type with this type of train tight with this type of training. Right. So I think like, I think that's accurate. He's not thinking biomechanics here. He's thinking straight, uh, you know, let's get it. And this isn't even like an ATG type of training would be a ma vast improvement to this. Mm -hmm. Powerlifting would be even a vast improvement to this, right? Like, <laughs> um, this is just not great stuff. You could see when he was throwing that punch there, how collapsed his legs were and how yeah. inefficient he is on his feet. And he's not even moving his feet. He's just holding them in the same place and just cranking his arms, right? So, um, driving his hips and doing, yeah, doing so that fun his stuff hips are too. going way ahead. Yeah, it's just, it's not had, great. Stuff. I had a conversation with, uh, with an old friend of mine. He's actually a retired MMA Pro, like pro MMA fighter with a bunch of televised fights. His name is Ricky Goodall. And I was telling him about Goda because we hadn't caught up in a while. He's like, you yeah, know, what's going on, man? I said, well, I got, you know, I got, I got this podcast now and I've been trying all these new movement systems. And, you know, the one that's really stood out to me is Goda. And I started explaining it to him and I started explaining, like prioritizing the, the, the efficiency of transfer of energy. And he was like, Oh my God, that makes so much sense. You know, I've been trying to train lately and I'm not really inspired and everything that you're saying, it made me think of all these, all the best, uh, martial artists that I would train with or work with. None of them lifted weights. They were all just really fluid in their movement and they had this snap and this pop and they could just transfer their energy really well. It, like it intuitively made sense. And he's like, all the guys that were like lifting weights and doing all this like power stuff, like they were, you know, they could still be good fighters. It's still like that, you know, if you got caught wrestling with them, they'd throw you around pretty hard once, but like these guys that were really good, they didn't lift weights. They were just, they were, they were fast and they could transfer their energy really well. Right. Absolutely. Like that's the game in MMA and boxing. Now it might be a little bit different in the heavyweight division where you can be as heavy as you want. And you know, you can gain 40 pounds in the heavyweight division and have an advantage over someone. And the, the name of the game is winning, not longevity in your life. So, you know, gaining a little bit of weight there might help you just from the confines of the sport, but mm. not in life. It's not going to help you to carry that much weight. It's a lot of maintenance to carry that much. Like this yeah. guy right here, uh, Paulo Costa doing all that weight training and having a big jacked body, big jack physique, uh, with not great movement. He's declining his movement. He's increasing his muscle. He's making himself less efficient. It's not great stuff. If you, uh, look at Israel Adesanya, who he's fought, um, You'll see just way, way smoother stuff. I'm going to share my screen here and we can just go over what. Yeah, go for it. From him. Uh, Conor McGregor walking. I remember too, uh, we, had, we had an episode a while back because um, people were asking us about uh, Thor and Shaw when they were, when they got into their boxing match. That was a really good example, actually, of when you're talking about, you know, it's one thing for a, a martial artist to get into weightlifting. It's another thing for a weightlifter or a bodybuilder to try and get into martial arts, right? The, the, it, like, I think even, I think Thor ended up losing a ton of weight and, uh, and, and kind of deprioritized some of the strongman stuff that he was doing and, and started getting really, like, really enjoying boxing. Well, well you, you definitely have to do that. Uh, can you see my screen right now? I cannot right now. So you have to hit share screen and then okay. you have to yeah, click no, the screen and then you have to hit. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. We're on. Hey, okay. So let's just, we're on real out of Sonya here and, uh, and see, see what's up. 
See, look at the feints he's throwing. He's tricking. Hmm. Oof. Yeah, guys, we record these live on, on nofilter.net, so we're, we're doing a screen share right now. Um, go watch the replay on nofilter.net, or we'll also upload it to YouTube eventually. Yeah, so what we're watching right now isn't the best example because it's later in a the fight. They're both tired, and he's beating up a guy. So <laughs> I'll try to find a, a better example here. And so what should we be looking for when we're watching this? So, like, just how smooth he is between the transitions. Look at how he's... Uh, almost corralling the other guy he's kicking mm. and then hitting a different angle moving back and forth being smooth with his movement look at that see how he grabbed the guy and then mm. uh, grabbed the leg into a spinning back fist yeah. it's like everything is connected his next move is connected to his current move he just uh did a knee on the guy's head and then grabbed his head with his hand that was his next move right ducking and weaving between punches um just being very efficient with his movement, but at the same time, understanding where his head needs to be. Um, yeah, maybe I, I should have brought out better footage, uh, more preparation with this. I think we could do that next time because mm -hmm. you really do have to kind of slow-mo this stuff. But uh, I do see a lot of go-to-type behavior from Israel Adesanya. Um, I wouldn't say he's a go-to-10. And don't forget, there is sliding scales to this. But he yeah. does display... Uh, pushing power off his feet properly. I see him pushing heel away when he's gaining his power. I do see a lot of these martial artists. Look at him dance right now. I do see him uh, like a lot of these martial artists with duck feet. Not terrible, but duck feet when they're walking around. Conor McGregor mm. again comes to mind. Um, yeah. Again, that's, that goes with the stance, right? Like you're kind of splaying your feet out in the stance naturally, right? Because of the... Uh, because of the confines of the sport. But I think that can be cleaned up with having your foot a little bit straight. I'm, that's something I have to experience myself. This was a great fight against uh, Anderson Silva. Skills all over the place. Both of them understanding timing, distance, uh, rhythm, feints. Look at that. No head or uh, Anderson Silva didn't even have his guard up and is just taking shots and you know, that's kind of crazy, but letting them roll off almost. Yeah. Or he's just taking them. You know, it looks like he's not phased by it at all, but he could have he could have gotten pretty messed up by that. Yeah. So this one this one's good. Uh, uh Robert Whitaker is like a big guy and he's also not like look at his shape. He's not a bodybuilder. He looks like kind of like a fat guy, right? <laughs> like a guy on the street that you would you would think is pretty tough but like not a ufc fighter doesn't move like that but this guy also has great movement timing rhythm but adesanya just owns him here look at the the way he's moving side to side and just tricking and being super elusive always fainting always judging his distance working off his his neck his punch is working into the next punch and into the next angle that's mm. really what we're seeing here so yeah i'll stop sharing that Cool. That's awesome. So, you know, ultimately the, I, I think like the core thesis that you're sort of making in terms of strike training in particular is that mostly it should be oriented around skills. And the more that you invest in linear strength training or engine training or whatever training you want to call it, that, that doesn't translate directly to the actual skill. Cause again, it's specificity, right? Like the, 
the the more specifically you train your skill and the more you try to clean it up and the more efficient you try to make it, the more you're training your nervous system and training your fascia and training your tissues to behave in that particular way. Um, yeah. I, I, I loved what you said yeah. about jujitsu. Sorry, Sorry yeah, I was, I was, I was going to say, I love what you said about jujitsu really benefiting from like an FRC style and you know, where ATG, their sort of progressive, you know, length through strength approach really translates is in, is in like grappling sports where you need a lot of flexibility. You need a lot of joint articulation to get into some of these more complex joint locks. Um, and then, you know, something like I can see something like a functional patterns or someone doing a lot of sandbag toss work or even strongman stuff being really relevant for, um, for wrestling, um, you know, in terms of being able to apply force from different, uh, you know, through different fascial meridians and different uh, planes of motion. Cause you're not, you're not deadlifting when you're, when you're doing wrestling, you're like, reaching your back and you're extending in different ways and you're, you know, you're, you're spiraling your whole movement and then you're chucking a dude over your shoulder, you know, yeah. um, that's, that's more relevant for, for stuff like that, but it's skill specificity and training the actual, like for, for you, I think it almost like your argument is almost always going to be train the sport. Um, almost always. Yeah. Or I, I wouldn't say train the sport in martial arts. Yes because it's very, very skill focused. And there's so many different, like uh, I'm talking MMA and boxing. There's so many different skills to have that you just don't have time to do anything else and, and energy, right? Like, mm -hmm. especially if you're putting it into heavy lifting where your nervous system is taking a toll, you need that nervous system energy to do other things. So there's intelligent ways to go about it. If you want to do it, like I saw a post by Wilson boxing science on, uh, on Instagram and he was saying, you know, train, uh, you know, weights two to three times a week. Right. And in, I would say two max, right. If I was going to do it, which I wouldn't, but I would say two max, if you really want to get into it, probably not going to stop any martial artist from doing it if they want to, because you know, the mental game and having the edge, if you can't convince somebody right off the get go, it's fine. Right. So don't do I remember, did, did, did you ever read um, when Tim Ferriss came out with a four hour body? Uh, I don't think so. I think I briefly scanned it. I was like, yeah, this is only okay. So I was, I was obsessed with Tim Ferriss uh, and he was one of the guys that like sort of first inspired me to, to look into, you know, different methods of biohacking and different things. He had this one section called um, effortless superhuman where he talks about this sprinting coach that got his like young sprinting athletes to do these super maxil deadlift loads only to the knees and then to drop the weight. And then they would follow up with like a plyometric thing. And it was like super, super low volume, super low volume. It was kind of teaching the body to produce that force, but it was super low volume, uh, very explosive, um, super maxil stuff very low frequency. It was like once a week or less, I think. And, uh, and it like improved the sprint times of these track athletes tremendously because they were focusing on their track sport, but they were still having this nervous system output. Like, I think if you are going to insist on doing some, some form of like weight training, having it be like really, really efficient and, and not dominate your nervous system too, too much. I think that's going to be really important. Yeah, I like some systems come to mind. Um, go to the way they lift weights forward, not up and down. 
I like WEC method and, you know, the landmine stuff that they do landmine university, I, I believe are WEC method guys. Um, I like, you know, how functional patterns uses the sling systems where it's about connecting, uh, your elasticity in motion that all mm -hmm. applies to martial arts. That's all great stuff, right? Where it, you have to convince me otherwise, you have to convince me that lifting a weight up and down, uh, for reps applies to martial arts somehow that will get you better at martial arts. Cause there's never mm -hmm. a time where you're in MMA, you'll go up to a weight and you'll lift it up and down a bunch of times. Okay. So somewhere there's the claim that doing that makes you better and more powerful at the martial art. I just don't see it happening in real life with people who concentrate a lot on heavy lifting traditionally. Right. And I, I agree. Like I, like I, it's funny cause I was a diehard weightlifter and I would always try to find some form of utility. Like I, I wish I could have a conversation with my 22 year old self because I think he'd have a full on existential crisis. If he heard that at 30, he would never be considering doing a deadlift or a squat again. You know, I would always try to find some sort of reason why it would be applicable. And, you know, in some ways I might've been able to, like I said, when I started squatting and I could run faster, but that was just because I had, you know, I was doing something athletic and before I wasn't quote unquote athletic. I, I was, I was doing something forced productive before and, and, and before I wasn't, um, that said, it's like, I am so much of the mindset that like the said principle always made sense to me, like the specific adaptations to impose demands that is becoming so much more granular to me now. It's so much more specific. And the more that I learn about the, the lines of tension across the body and the viscoelastic properties of fascia and in and, and our actual tissues and the ways that are, you know, like biologically, the ways that our tissues are meant to sort of function in the patterns that they were evolved to function in, like I'm becoming way, 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 way more specific in terms of the, the types of stressors that I'm putting on my body to respect those variables. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there when you talked about force production, because the strength and conditioning that applies to, you know, boxing weight or, or uh, you know, martial arts and even football, it's about force production, producing more force than bringing it into your sport. Okay. Hmm. But for me, martial arts is about being able to produce force at the right angles at the right time in the right location, and then do it again quickly somewhere else. And you can't do that when you're stiff and you're stuck and your nervous system has been heightened to be in one spot only like going back to that Paulo Costa, where he's punching in the same spot aggressively and his uh, nervous system is at his height. And yeah, he's, he's working his cardio, his sweat, his, you know, bravado, all that's working, but is he going to be able to apply that against Israel Adesanya when Israel's grabbing his neck and corralling him in different directions? I don't think so. I don't think that applies. So specific adaptations to impose demands, your demands in the sport of MMA are, you have to be able to move in different angles, uh, changing environments, uh, people running at you, trying to wrestle you, trying to punch you, try to kick you, try to trick you. There's so much to it that you need to specifically adapt to that. And it takes yeah, and that, a long time. I mean, that's why I liked Connor, you know, working with Ido Portel is that it was such a broad, diverse level of, of stimulus that he was approaching. And on that note, uh, unfortunately, I do have to wrap up today's episode. Um, thanks for the people who are here watching us live. 
Uh, we Again, if you want to watch the video replay of this, go to nofilter.net. My name is Anthony Manuel. I'm the host uh, of these on uh, on here, on No Filter. Um, you can find Will at The Art of Move on Instagram, and you can find me on Instagram at The Body Moves. And we're going to be constantly updating with uh, more and more cool sort of supplemental content if you like these podcasts so go check that out i'm going to keep hounding will until he has some more cool mma demonstrations on how to apply go to footwork to different mma things and maybe i'll even do some stuff on how to apply some range of strength or some atg stuff uh for say a jujitsu fighter or a, yeah jujitsu uh, and, and wrestling so thanks for listening guys this is episode 32 uh, and we'll catch you on the next one, nofilter.net. We have a few cool guests lined up for the rest of February. And thanks for listening. Have a good one, guys. Thank you.